verse number 1 down to verse number 13 in this gospel. Matthew's gospel, chapter number 26, verse number 1. Good to have you today, and uh, so glad you came to be here with Scenic Hills Baptist Church on this windy uh, Sunday, right? Uh, please, I would say pardon the construction, but I have no part in it So uh, out here, and uh, this big dust storm that's happening, and uh, nonetheless, uh, we are bearing through it. Matthew 26 and verse number 1. Now it says here, and it came to pass when Jesus had finished all these sayings, he said unto his disciples, you know that after two days is the feast of the Passover, the Son of Man is betrayed to be crucified. Then assembled together the chief priests and the scribes and the elders of the people under the palace of the high priest, who was called Caiaphas, and, by, and consulted that they might take Jesus by subtlety and kill him. But they said, not on the feast day, lest there be an uproar among the people. Now when Jesus was in Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, there came unto him a woman having an alabaster box, a very precious ornament, and poured it on his head as he set it meat. But when his disciples saw it, they had indignation, saying, to what purpose is this waste? We'll come back to that. For this ointment might have been sold for much and given to the poor, when Jesus understood it, he said unto them, Why trouble ye the woman? For she hath wrought a good work upon me. For ye have the poor always with you, but me ye have not always. For in that she hath poured this ointment on my body, she did it for my burial. Verily I say unto you, Wheresoever this gospel shall be preached in the whole world, there shall also this that this woman hath done be told for her a memorial of, for, for a memorial of her. I spoke last week on this subject of Fulfilling God's purpose in your life. And we looked at several different ways in which God has outlined in His Word in which we can do that. I believe one of those ways is staying small. Amen? Staying small. That's, that's hard for sometimes for us to do. We want to get big. We want to think we're bigger than we really are. We want to get bigger than our own britches. But we need to stay small. Another thing is staying spirit-filled. Staying spirit-filled. We ought to be spirit-filled Christians. Amen? Be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be what? Filled with the Spirit. And then we saw uh, finally that if you're going to be fulfilling God's purpose in your life, then you'll have serving hands. Because you see that a Spirit-filled life uh, cannot be without serving hands and serving feet. It goes, uh, pardon the pun, hand in hand, if you will. They go right together. And when you say small, spirit-filled, and serving hands, God, you'll be fulfilling God's purpose in your life. But this week, I want us to see something else about the purposes of God. And that's very simply this. I ask you this question. What is God's purpose for this world? What is God's purpose in His Word? What is it that God outlines for us in His Bible, in His Word, and even in our text this morning, what is the purpose of God? I read that verse to you in verse number 8, and I told you to pay attention to it, because it says, when the disciples saw this, that the woman had done, she had poured out this very expensive ointment upon Jesus Christ, and as Jesus says, it was for my burial, and as she had poured it out upon them, the disciples looked upon her with indignation, with contempt, they complained, and they said, to what purpose is this waste? To what purpose is this waste? I'm afraid that a lot of times in our life that 
we have wasted lives. There's wasted lives, sadly, of people that you see on the news or maybe on YouTube or maybe in a documentary or maybe somebody even close to you. Their life was just wasted. They spent it on drugs, alcohol, immorality, abuse of all kinds. And you think, wow, wasted. Wasted. Sometimes as Christians, we get sometimes really caught up with things of the world. We get caught up with the things that are going on around us, and we forget the purpose of God. And if I could sum it up like this, and there's much more to it, I know, but if I could sum it up and say, what is the purpose of God in this world today and and of the world gone by? I could really just put it in a name, Jesus Christ. With all the crazy things that are happening in the world today, you might say, well, what is God's purpose? We see death, we see suffering, we see war, we see pain, we see grief, we see failures, we see failed policies, we see failed marriages, we see uh, terrible atrocities that are happening to children all around the world today. But what is it that the church And that a gospel minister should continue to preach upon? What is it that should be the heralding voice that should come out of the pulpits every single Sunday, every single time that the book is open? What is the one thing that we should be keeping upon the forefronts of our minds as believers in Jesus Christ? And that is this, we should be keeping on our minds that God sent His Son, Jesus, to die for the world and to die for the sins of the whole entire world. Upon a cross... And he was buried and rose again the third day. God's design from the very beginning, from the very beginning, even before all the world ever existed, was that he would send his son Jesus to be the Savior of the world. Revelation 13 and verse number 8 says this, And all they that dwell on the earth shall worship him. Whose names, are not, whose names are not written in the book of life, slain upon the foundation of the world. Slain from the foundation of the world. Jesus was slain from the foundations of the world. Ephesians 1.4 tells us even this, According as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy without blame before him in love. The Bible even lets us know in Titus 1.2, in hope of eternal life, which God that cannot lie, promised before when the world began. Even before the beginning of the world, God was promising this purpose would take place. And perhaps some of my favorite verses in 1 Peter chapter number 1 and verses 18 through 21, for as much as you know that you're not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from the vain conversation received by tradition of your fathers, but by what? By the precious blood of Christ. As of a lamb without blemish and without spot, listen to it, who verily, truly was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you, who by him believe in God, that raised him up from the dead and gave him glory that your faith and hope might be in God. God's purpose was to send Jesus to die on the cross for your sins and for mine. What is the message that you, we need to continue to preach to the masses today? And that is the message of the gospel. 
The title of my message today is this, three people, three plans, one purpose. I would like to, and maybe I'll be able to do this in, sometime soon, but I would like to just take some time and just really preach a whole sermon or two on this lady with the alabaster box, but that's not our point today. Our real point today is to see that there are three people that are outlined in the passage that I just read to you. Jesus, who is God. Amen? <laughs> Let's be sure of that. Jesus, who is God. The Pharisees, the chief priests, and this lady with the alabaster box. Three people, three plans, one purpose. We can take great comfort in this message that we want to see today. These three people, though they went about the plan in a different way, though they are three completely different groups, and though they did not maybe go about it the same way, that they all have one purpose. And that one purpose is that the death of Jesus Christ is in view. The one had sinister plans and one had glorifying plans. Yet God was going to get his plan done. God finishes, as the song that Meredith just sang, everything that he starts. We can take great comfort in the fact that man's plans never disappoints God's purposes. God's purposes are never foiled. They're never put down. And so this morning I ask you, if you want to dishonor him and not believe in Christ, I'll warn you that will be to your detriment. But if you will believe and receive, as John says, it will definitely be to your benefit. Definitely. It's called everlasting life. It fadeth not away. This first, first, this first person that we notice in our text is found in verses number 1 and 2. It's the Lord and Savior Jesus. It says, and it came to pass when Jesus had finished all of these sayings. What sayings? Well, he has just gone through a major outline of teachings in Matthew chapter number 23, 24, and 25. And when the conclusion of all of those things, he comes to the end of it all. And, and it would be like, what is he going to say next, you know? I mean, he's just given to us these wonderful parables. He's given to us uh, amazing information about the end times. What is it that he is going to conclude with? What is going to be his clincher statement? What's the climax, if you will? It's verse number two. You know that after two days is the feast of the Passover, and the Son of Man is betrayed to be crucified. He could have said so many things, but what did he say? He said that it is for him to be crucified. Plain and simple. Jesus Christ was submissive and obedient to the Father's will. Oh, I'm sure that God wishes that more of us would act like his Son and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen? That we'd be submissive and obedient to what God would have us to do. That we would align ourselves with God's purposes and God's plans for our lives just like Christ did. Just like Christ did, the Bible tells us in Matthew chapter 3 and also in chapter number 17 that Jesus did all things that pleased the Father. In fact, the Father spoke from heaven and said two times in Matthew 3 and also 17, he said, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Let me ask you a question. Can God say that about your life? Can he say that about mine? Or is there some work to be done? 
Did you mean to tell me that Jesus purposed to die? Yes, I do. That was his purpose. I was amazed in studying this out, but as I looked through the Gospels, I found out that at almost every single major interval of Jesus' life and ministry, I should say of his ministry, is that in those major intervals, do you know what he preached to the people? That he was going to die. At the beginning of his ministry in John chapter number 2, in verse number 19, the Bible says, Jesus answered and said unto them, at the very beginning of his ministry, destroy this temple, in three days I will raise it up. And whenever he gives his instructions for the very first time in Matthew 16 about the church and who started it, that's Jesus Christ, amen. Where's the church built about? Not on Peter, my friend. It's built on Jesus. It's built on him. From that time forth, Jesus began to show his disciples how that he must go up unto Jerusalem and suffer many things of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and raised again the third day. That's that famous instance whenever he first brings that up, that Peter pulls him aside and rebukes him for saying that. And then Jesus says, get thee behind me, Satan. At his transfiguration, after it all is all said and done, in Matthew 17, they abode in Galilee, and Jesus says, the Son of Man shall be betrayed into the, into the hands of men. And they shall kill him. And the third day they shall, he shall be raised again. On his way to Jerusalem in Matthew chapter number 20 in verses 17 through 19. He tells them the same exact thing. That the chief priests and scribes shall condemn, condemn him to death and mock him and scourge him and crucify him. And he shall rise again on the third day. In Matthew chapter 20 in verse number 28 in that same passage it says. Even as the son of man came not to be ministered unto but to minister and to what? Give his life a ransom for many. At the Passover, it says, and he said unto them, with desire, I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. And even after it was all said and done, the Bible tells us in Luke chapter number 24 and verse number 46, how he had risen from the dead. He meets with his disciples and he says, thus it is written and thus it behooved Christ. It was needful. It was Christ's duty that Christ to suffer and to rise again from the dead the third day. Every major interval of Jesus' teaching ministry, you have Jesus telling his disciples that he was going to die, be buried, suffered, be destroyed, be beaten, be mocked, be scourged, be taken, be crucified, and that he would rise again on the third day. That is Jesus' plan. That is God's plan. That is the Lord's purpose. He had no other purpose, no other plan than to obey what God had set him out to do, and that is to die for our sins and to rise again the third day that is the purpose of God do you believe in that purpose I think we all have a lot of different purposes that we might venture into but may we never forget the purpose of God amen secondly there's another group here then assembled together the chief priests and scribes and elders of the people under the palace of the high priest who was called Caiaphas, and consulted that they might take Jesus by subtlety and kill him. But they said, not on the feast day, lest there be an uproar among the people. Take your Bibles over to John chapter number 11, verse number 49. You say, well, preacher, that's about a perfect man with a perfect plan. Amen? I'll agree with you wholeheartedly. I'll throw my hands up too and say, I surrender. Jesus is perfect. He was able to accomplish everything perfectly because he had no sin within him. But this next group that we run into, they're a little bit different. 
In fact, they're completely opposite. Jesus was going to die for our sins, but these were going to be the people that God was going to use to let them crucify him and put him to death. This group of ungodly and evil men that God was going to use to carry out his purposes, yet unbeknownst to them. Think about that. They were going to believe. They wanted to thwart the purposes of God and of Christ, but yet God was going to use them to be the leaders of God's purpose. Isn't that amazing how God can do that? Even Caiaphas himself in John 11, I had you turn to in verse number 49 through 53, said this, And then one named Caiaphas, being the high priest that same year, said unto them, Ye know nothing at all, nor consider that it is expedient for us, or necessary for us, that one man should die for the people, and that the whole nation perish not. And this spake he not of himself, but being the high priest that year, he prophesied that Jesus should die for that nation, and I love this verse, and not for that nation only, but that also he should gather together in one the children of God that were scattered abroad then from that day forth they took counsel together for him to put him to death here is one that speaks a prophecy even unbeknownst to him that one should die for a nation isn't it amazing that God can use the only it can even use the ungodly for his own purposes I was just reading this week in my daily Bible reading in the book of Numbers, and there was this man called Balaam, a false prophet, and he goes up to prophesy and to curse Israel upon a mountain. And as he goes up there to curse Israel, he falls into a trance, and God won't let him curse the nation, but instead he blesses them. And in Numbers 24 and verse number 17, it says, I shall see him, but not now. I shall behold him, but not nigh. There shall come a star out of Jacob, and a scepter shall rise out of Israel, and shall smite the corn of Moab and destroy all the children of Sheth. Think about that. Think about that. God would even use a false prophet to put into a trance that tried his best to curse the nation of Israel, but yet God has his own purposes and his own plans, and he will accomplish it no matter what. Proverbs 16.4 tells us this, the Lord hath made all things for himself, yea, even the wicked for the day of evil. God has got a purpose for it all, my friend. He uses the just and the unjust. He has no issue with using the wicked for his own design and his own will. He will do with them as he pleases. They, through their ignorance and rebellion, think they are doing what they want to do, but in all reality, God is just going to use them to do what he wants to do. People say, I defy God, but to defy God, you actually have to be able to stand up against him, and no man or woman can stand against God, my friend. Nobody. Are those not comforting words for us that are believers that are sitting in this crowd this morning? Should they not be comforting to you and to me to know that the one thing that the evil people of this world cannot do is they can never, ever, ever upset the eternal plan of God? No matter how hard they try? We too many times want to talk about world peace and saving human lives or maybe even working to feed the poor and the needy. And I'm all for that. And Jesus was too. And his apostle Paul was also for it too. For he says in Galatians 2.10, only they would that we should remember the poor, the same which I was also forward to do. But you know what's amazing to me about the book of Galatians is this, is that Paul does not take up a defense against feeding the poor. He does not take a defense about doing humanitarian work. Paul says, I was forward to do that. That was in my heart and I did it. 
But do you know what the book of Galatians is all about? It's a defense of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what Paul took up defense with. And I think sometimes we as Christians, and we need to be careful on this, is that we want to be defensive about so many different things in life. But are you defensive with the gospel? Little Naomi just quoted, Thou shalt not take the Lord thy God's name in vain. Are you defensive over God's name? Do you stand up for God's name? Do you say something at work when somebody says something about it takes God's name in vain? Are you standing up for God, for the defense of the gospel? You get upset because somebody doesn't do things the way you want to. But I'll tell you what, right, right now, my friend, there's a lot of people that are not doing the things that God wants them to do. Do you tell them? Do you let them know? Do you warn them? Do you let them know about the gospel of Jesus Christ? We have so many purposes and plans, and no doubt many of them are good. But if we forget and we fail to remember that the one purpose of God is this, is that he would save mankind from their sins through Jesus Christ our Lord, then my friend, we are forgetting the eternal purpose of God. Too many times we spend time and money and effort on things that will burn once. But how much time do we spend on things that will burn forever? The souls of mankind. Listen to me, my friend. The evil tried to thwart the purposes of God, but they could not. They tried tirelessly to put down Christ, but they could not. They tried tirelessly to vilify our Lord and Savior, but only what happened was in the end, he was glorified. Balaam tried his hardest to curse Israel and thwart the purposes of God. The high priest tried to turn the tables and make Jesus' look, death look like something beneficial for the nation. But instead, what he really did was prophesy that it was going to be beneficial for all mankind. And that in the end, God was going to win. Friend, don't be discouraged about the world that you look at today. Stop reading so much news on Facebook and the rest of it. Stop looking at your TV screens. Stop being consumed with the bad things that this world throws at us every single day. You know what all that is? That's consumer content. That's what that is. And a lot of that is agendas that they're trying to push that they're hiding other things behind the scenes that you don't even know about. So the thing about it is, is that we all have got to realize that we can't trust the news. We can't trust the government. We can't trust the people that surround us. We can't trust the world. We can't even trust our own hearts. The heart is desperately wicked. Listen, it is deceitful above all things. Who can know it? Well, I know who can know it. The next verse tells us, the Lord knows the hearts and he trieth the reins. That's who it is. It's God. It's the Lord. It's Jesus Christ. And it's all about Him. Psalm 2 4 says this He that said, Don't be worried about the heathen, my friend. Don't be worried and biting your nails and worried. Is there going to be this? Is there going to be that? Is there going to be a nuclear war? Is there going to happen? What's going to happen next? Is there going to be an economic collapse? I mean, gas is up to $4 a gallon. What am I going to do? Listen to me, my friend. Remember the gospel. When you're at the gas pump next time, don't be complaining about the gas prices. Put a gospel track in the gas pump, and the next person that comes by, maybe they'll get it and get saved. Listen, my friend, in the end of it all, Psalm 2, 4 tells us, He that sitteth in the heavens shall laugh. He shall have, the Lord shall have them in derision. 
The Bible says in Psalm 37, 13, The Lord shall laugh at him, for he seeth that his day is coming. But thou, O Lord, shalt laugh at them. Thou shalt have the heathen in derision. God is in heaven today laughing at any person that thinks they can thwart the purposes of God, my friend. They are like jesters in God's court. They are nothing but laughter to him. God will have his way. The question is this, will you join him in his purpose? These men, though they had a different plan and a different way to do it, still they were going to accomplish the purpose of God. They were going to accomplish the purpose of God no matter what. God's purpose always gets accomplished. And then thirdly, we see the godly. We see God, we see the ungodly, and we see the godly. This last person in our list here this morning is this godly woman. And she accomplishes God's purpose with God's plan. How do I do that, preacher? Well, let me just say it again. I said it earlier. That we all would align ourselves with his plans and in purpose for our lives. That we stop living life the way that we think that we should live and submit ourselves to God like Jesus Christ did. We would, stop a lot. We would align ourselves my truck right now pulls to the right horribly. <laughs> I noticed that the other day. I don't know what I did. I took my hand off. Okay, I took my hand off the stand or steering wheel for a second. All right, shoot me. Okay, all right. So, and um, like none of you have never done that before. All right. If Doug was here, he'd say, "No, I never would." So uh, he's a hardcore driver, and two hands on the wheel all the time. Mario Andretti calls himself. So. Uh, you can tell him I said that. He's not here. I'm not speaking by his, behind his back, all right? So uh, you can definitely tell him. And that thing, I mean, it's just one second. It's going right off the road. I mean, just, just going this way. What do I need? Mason, what do I need? <laughs> I need alignment. Yeah. I need something. I'm not a mechanic. I, I, need, I need something to get that thing aligned, get it going straight again. You know what sometimes is that in life is that you sin and you fail in the purposes of God and for your own life, with your spouse, with your children, at work, at home, or at church. And you know what you've done? You've hit a curb and you've knocked things out of line. And God is wanting to set us back straight with him. This woman was straight with God. She had lived in sin in the past, but her life had been changed. And I'll tell you what, a life changed will always be changed, my friend. And if you're here this morning and you've been bought by the blood of Jesus Christ, you've been sealed by the Holy Spirit of God, you are His this morning. You are not your own. Understand that. You may have trodden far from home, but listen to me, my friend, you are still God's. And God loves you, and God would want nothing more than for to, you to this morning to come back to him, just like that prodigal son did, and come back to him and say, God, I want your purpose for my life. I want to live out your way and your plans for my life. But this woman, she had dedicated her life to Jesus Christ, and she, in this closing point, verifies to us that the purposes of God are one. She wanted to honor him. She believed in him. She gave all that she had, verses number 6 and 7, that when she came into the house, she opened up this alabaster box and she poured it on his head as he sat at me. She gave it all, every bit of it. 
She sacrificed all to his glory. All of it. Have you ever given it all to him? Is it all Christ? All Christ? This woman just didn't have a good work. She had a good heart. She was right with God. Maybe God, maybe some of you this morning are fighting with God on that. You know what's easy to do in the Christian life? I know this because I'm a Christian and I've done it. It's very easy for us to think that the Christian life consists of checkboxes. I went to church today. I gave in the offering today. I wore the right clothes today. I was nice to my spouse today. I played with my children today. I was a good little boy. And we think that if we fill in the checks, that everything's okay. And if we fill in all the boxes and we check all the right boxes and we do all the right things, that all of a sudden, that, you know what, I'm all of a sudden, I, well, I still participate in this ungodly adventure every once in a while. You know, I mean, I, I've done all of these things, preacher, but my, you know, a little bit of my heart is still, you know, it's reserved to myself. You know, I've got to look out for me. Come on now. How many people say that? I, I've got to, I, I've got to... I've got to have this one little thing, preacher. I've got to do this. I've, I've, I've got to just maybe just hold on to this one thing left. And, and I know it's small, but, 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 but Lord, can I just have this one thing? This one sin? This lady said no. She gave it all to him. If you're holding on to sin in your heart this morning, if you're holding on to anything that displeases or upsets God or is, is against his holy word, let me just say it real straight. If you're doing something that you know you shouldn't do, or if you're not doing something that you know you should do according to the real revealed plan and will of God for your life, according to his word, you know it to be true in your heart, and yet you came in here this morning and you sang and you gave, and you, and you did, guess what? It means nothing to God. It means nothing to God. Nothing. Saul sacrificed and sacrificed, but Samuel said, God is not looking for sacrifices. David cried out and said that sacrifices he's not looking for, but he's looking for a broken and a contrite heart thou wilt not despise. You know what contrite means? It means crushed. Crushed to smithereens. Destroyed. Broken. A broken and a contrite heart. God will not despise. Why is it that I just can't seem to get ahead? Why is it that I just can't seem to get right with God? Why is it that I just can't seem? Why is it that I just can't seem to uh, have my relationships the way they ought to be? Why is it? Why is it? Why is it? Stop asking why is it and understand this. That God is not despised with a broken and contrite heart. Ask yourself, what is my heart like? Is it like this woman's? 
broken and spilled out for you, like the song says. She gave it all. Another way that I know that she was in line with the purposes of God, that she gave it all, but she was also rebuked by others. So how do you know that, preacher? Because usually what happens is that when you're serving Christ and doing his will and following his purposes, that you're going to get rebuked and persecuted for it. And you know who's probably going to rebuke you, the first person, is other Christians. He said, really? Yeah. Did you notice who in the parable, in the story, did you notice who was mad and upset? Did you notice? Disciples. Said it was Judas. Yeah, it was Judas. But the Bible here tells us it was the rest of them too. It was all of them. They looked upon contempt with this woman and then indignation upon her. And they disagreed with what she said. And if you live for the purposes of God, people are going to disagree with you. They're not going to like you. They're going to put you down. And I don't mean to knock the poor here again. I know it may seem like that. I'm not doing that at all. But listen, the text tells us here that they said, should not have this been given to the poor? What is the point here? The point is this, is that too often we're concerned with the externals of life and giving to this and helping this needy person and helping that person, but yet we don't want to get right with God. And we placate our sin and our guilt by helping somebody. But you're not helping, in, you're not helping yourself, my friend. You're not helping yourself. And you're definitely not helping your relationship with God. God desires a relationship with us. Besides that, I would encourage you to give people bread, but I'd also encourage you at the same time to give them living bread, which they'll never be hungry again if they'll take and receive. Are you in the position of some of these disciples? Do you have a snide comment for every missionary that comes in the door? Every time somebody gets up to sing, every time someone has a testimony, every somebody, time somebody gives a prayer request, or maybe somebody just says amen. I knew somebody one time that didn't like the way somebody said amen in church. And trust me, I know there are obnoxious ameners, okay? I don't mean that, okay? I've been in places like that, okay? Trust me, I understand what that means. But that was not the case in this scenario. Is it that every time that some every time that something happens, is your does your spirit get upset about that? There may be somebody here in this auditorium this morning. I don't know. I don't know this at all. But there may be somebody this morning in this auditorium that kind of snided when Naomi got up here to quote those verses. Who does she think, who, who do they think they are? Whose family do you think they are? If that was you at all, my friend, your heart is not right with God at all. You are not right with God. And you need to check in with God. Maybe you need to check in at the Motel 6 and have some time alone with the Lord. Because your heart is not right with the Lord. This woman had given it, given it all. The disciples should have been around congratulating her and joining in and being excited about it. But they were not because their hearts were not right. She recognized God's purposes and she acted upon it. Jesus even said she recognized the purpose of God for she had done it for my burial. And after it was all said and done, he praised her. But preacher, in all of these cases, why? That's the big question, isn't it? 
Why is it that God would send his son Jesus to die for us? Why is it that he wants us to recognize his eternal purpose for our lives? Can I tell you why? John 13, 1. Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour was come, that he should depart out of this world unto the Father, <laughs> having loved his own, which were in the world, he loved them unto the end. Listen to me. Why does God do what he's doing? Why is God's purpose for this one thing that Christ would put on a cross of Calvary and be crucified for our sins, be buried and rise again the third day? It's all because he loves you. He loves you. And if you, for some reason, cannot see that eternal purpose of God, that God loves you, that he died for you, that he was buried for your sins and for mine, and that he rose again the third day, if you cannot see that, then my friend, you are blind and you are deaf. And it would behoove you, it would be your duty if you found some quiet place and begged God to open your eyes and open your ears. God, I don't know if I'm saved. God, I don't know if I were to die today, God. And God, the message I'm hearing today is that you love me. and that, But God, it's not resonating with me. I see it and I understand it. But God, it's not resonating with my heart. But God, I want it to. And you should go to God like blind Bartimaeus did and call out, Son of God, Son of David, Son of David, have mercy upon me. Have mercy upon me. Have mercy upon me. And you know what, my friend, is that God in his great grace will have mercy. For the Bible says, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved but if you will not then God's purposes will continue to go on but it will be at your own detriment but if you will believe and receive it will be to your benefit my friend your eternal benefit and if we as Christians will see his purpose his number one purpose, then it will guide us in our lives as we live daily for Jesus Christ our Lord. Are you living for him? Believer, have you believed in him? Have you trusted him? Have you faith in him? Are you holding something back? Let it go. Let it go. Father, we're thankful for the word of God.